0: Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to excuse you guys from starting out the podcast like that.
1: <sighs> but in all reality, we are very excited to talk a lot of nutrition, grass, hay, and all those sorts of things today.
0: We sure are. And we're so happy you're tuning in. So welcome back to the Horse Podcast. I'm your host, Nadine. And I'm Steph. And I'm Stevie. And we're ready to get this thing going. So before we jump into the nutritional uh, value, blah, 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 okay. <laughs> before we jump into all things nutrients, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about a topic that has been, uh, or has been suggested to us a couple times, and it is how to make friends at jackpots or how to find a travel partner or how to just... No more people in the barrel racing game when you first start. So we are so excited to be giving some tips about that today. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say, Steph? I don't know.
1: <gasps> <gasps> I got to tell you guys a secret. <laughs> I, like, I'm just trying to think back to, like, how I got to have, like, our little
0: ride tribe here. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if it was just luck or what the heck it, it was. It was dumb luck because there was a girl that sent a horse to Cole for training. And then she brought along Shelby. And when Shelby first saw me, she's like, that girl looks like a bitch. Like, cause like, I was just starting to ride cash and I was frustrated. And my, I have like the worst like resting bitch face ever. And uh, so you she, and Megan. Yeah, me and Megan are like really good at that. Anyways, so yeah. I ended up meeting Shelby. Then she ended up deciding she liked me. And then I <laughs> met you guys through that bulls and barrel. So it was honestly just dumb luck. But if it's not the case of dumb luck and you're just starting to come into barrel racing, <laughs> um, one thing that if someone comes up to me, I will be your best friend if you say, wow, like your horse is so pretty.
2: Like
0: way to Nadine's 18
1: sorry. I don't know. It kind of annoys me when I walk by somebody at a barrel race and they just, like,
2: look at you and don't smile. At the very least... I mean, sometimes they're just in the zone. Like, I can understand that. If they're getting ready for their run... Oh, but if it's, like, the warm-up... And it's just, like, like, hey, you you can smile at a person. Smile, or... Like, if you make
1: eye contact. Or, I don't know. It's not hard. Like, if if you're wanting to make friends, I guess. Yeah. If you're wanting to make friends, say... Even if it's just like, if you don't have, you don't, not very talkative, smile. If you are talkative, <laughs> say, Hey, if you're really talkative and
2: you really want to make friends, Hey, how's it going there? Hey, where'd you come from today? We were sitting in, um, I think it was at Grimshaw at a barrel race there and we were doing like the picture and I was standing on my horse beside another girl. Um, we're really good friends now because all I said was, Oh, that's so cool. Like, did you make your bridal? Because she had a bunch of rocks sewn onto her bridle. <laughs> yeah. And then we became friends and she always brings it up. Hey, Steph, did
0: you make your bridal? So she makes fun of me. But like, we're friends now. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, that's all it takes, especially with us horse girls. Or you say like, wow, like that's that's a really cool brand you have on your horse board. You get it. Like any little thing that you can pick out if you're looking Mm -hmm. for friends or you're looking for someone. If you see a girl at a local jackpot, you see all the time. Make your way And like yeah. go say hi to her There's girls that have Moved up north That we never really Knew much Until we've seen them At a jackpot And we're like Wow like that girl Is so nice Like she like said My horse was pretty Like you know what <laughs> It sounds like So childish and dumb But if you go to a car guy And you say Damn guy Like that's a nice car Like he's gonna tell you Talk to tell, <laughs> tell you all well, about it Yeah Even like me and Steph I think I was like Oh we have the same name And we have sister horses <laughs> Like that's literally How we became friends I'm pretty sure Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a big thing. Also, though, if you listen to our last week's episode, we talked about our merch. So that could almost be a common, um, common ground. Yeah, Yeah. buy our merch, and you'll notice everyone wearing it. You'll see who the ride or dies are, (laughs) and you're like, "Hey, like, are you a ride or die?" Because I'm a ride or die, and you both have like a cool hat or a cool shirt or whatever we decide to come up with in our crazy little minds for merch. But and then you can talk about all the ridiculous things Nadine says on the podcast. Yeah, and how I still refuse tell my poop story just so. make fun of her the whole time <laughs> uh, but yeah no like that's like a really like common thing like how many people are in let's just say the daddy gang like right like, how many people meet through that or vinyls <laughs> from caitlin bristow are like you know what i mean like there's so many people that do become friends because of a certain thing that they listen to okay i have one thing if
2: someone messages us on here saying they want an episode of Nadine's poop stories. It's happening.
0: It's not happening. Yeah, Nadine, you need to do this. I, like, literally told <laughs> you guys that that's only being said at my funeral no. because I'll already be dead. That when I first met you, you're like,
1: episode. you're like, only one other person
2: knows this story.
0: Everyone <laughs> knows them now. I, know. I think there's, like, ten people that know it What's know. the harm
2: in having an episode dedicated to uh, that? No, no, no.
0: <laughs> and it, it might not even be human poop. It might be horse poop. You guys never no, because i am a miss <laughs> anyways though those are like a couple of quick tips that we could have um they may sound childish but they work like mm-hmm. i'm never I keep, I keep making fun of you you know like
1: oh haha need, you know the horse pretty comment but that's such a good point yeah. like when you yeah. like you uh like related it to trucks like it, it was actually so funny so we dropped um ray off at cooley equine once and yeah. we we pulled up bren was with me and um just just popped in my head now and then this other guy pulled up and unlo- he was unloading horses and he had like a very similar truck to ours but it had like it was louder you could tell it had been like deleted and he yeah. was like oh i wonder what he did to his truck and like my husband's way more shy than i am I'm like go fucking ask him like he'll tell you, he'll tell you exactly He'll tell you exactly what he did to his truck. (laughs) And then he was like kind of nervous, but he did finally go ask him. And then they talked forever about Duramaxes and like the tires and the engine and the (laughs) delete. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you just have to find that common ground. And horse girls love to talk about their horses. So I think, yeah, yeah, that's a perfect segue. It's just Yeah. Asking or commenting on the horse Mm -hmm. and you'll have yourself an easy conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like even people that are messaging me about Batty, like they write on my... um, on my posts about her or whatever and I'm like I could literally be this girl's best friend like it, it just, <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, just it's just because you. you're like if you think my horse is pretty I think your horse is pretty too oh my <laughs> you're hilarious but, yeah. yeah no those are that's a couple things or say you're looking for travel partners I bet you any money if you make a post out there say hey what bitches live in Calgary that need a p- <laughs> travel partner there's gonna be one other betty barrel racer that will message you and be like you know what let's let's go together like how many times do people just like meet for a tinder date or they do this or they do that they go on blind dates go on a blind travel partner date and see how (laughs) it goes i would love for that to happen and like actually people make reviews and see like how it goes that'd be freaking hilarious maybe
2: we should start an app Oh my, oh my gosh, <laughs> the travel partner app.
1: <laughs> it's like Tinder, but for tra- rodeo oh travel person.
0: <laughs> and whoever you swipe on, you have to travel with them. But and make sure you do your research. Make sure they're safe. And we could make it like how they have, I'm um, like I haven't had Snapchat for about five years now, but I think there's that thing called Snap Maps. We could have like travel partner maps where you could like oh, wow. find people in the area. If anyone takes this idea, I'm going to be so freaking pissed, <laughs> but it's actually a really good idea. But yeah idea but yeah you could it'd be like an uber for travel partners mm-hmm. or something but i don't know honestly just make sure they're not a serial killer do your do your due diligence and like making sure they're a real person and like who knows maybe you'll make a friend that way and yeah. the rodeo world's small so i mean you can always ask hey and if you are you
1: know yeah. doing some investigating you yeah. can ask around
0: it's like you go on these fa- these barrel racing facebook pages and you see like buyer beware or this person's this way or this person's that way and it's all negative and so much hate it's like why not I would love for someone to post on there and be like hey I'm looking for people to connect with Mm
3: -hmm. let
0: me like if you're in this area send me a message or like you know like actually be genuine about it because there's so much hatred on these platforms and so much bashing other people and not what, getting both what sides. What, what, are,
1: what where are you looking? Is that that cooped
0: up? Cooped up barrel <laughs> racers. It's so dramatic. Is that, the, so is that one in the States or something? I feel it like. is. And then there's like that AB Saskatchewan, like Manitoba. There's some drama on there. There's always, Oh, there's yeah.
2: drama everywhere. There's
0: a Facebook page literally devoted to like bad barrel racers or bad horse trainers and stuff. Uh, so there's so much of that. It's like, how about we like make connector pages or we can make a cloverleaf connection. Yeah, that's a idea. That one, is a yeah. good one. Or even if we have one out there, like for girls in a certain area that need a, that want to make a friend, like make a post about it. Cause I'm sure you're going to get a whole more mm-hmm. lot love than you are going to get hate on something like that. Mm-hmm. Cause as crazy as we are, we can still be kind of nice. Yeah, <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. But that's enough <laughs> chit chat with, for us. And we're going to let you guys get into this episode and we're going to let you find out all about our guests coming up. We would now like to bring to you Dr. Kathleen Crandall. She
2: has earned her master's in science in equine nutrition and exercise physiology and a PhD in equine nutrition and reproduction from Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University. Dr. Crandall has been superintendent of the Virginia Tech Middleburg Agricultural Research and Extension Center in Middleburg, Virginia, where she ran the Equine Research Center and the Breeding
0: Program, which was home to over 100 thoroughbred horses. Dr. Kathleen Crandall has had so many work-related accomplishments that we'd be sitting here forever if we named them all. But to know a little bit more about her, her and her husband have had a small breeding farm where they bred thoroughbreds, Arabians, and Warmblood Crosses. She has competed in endurance and competitive trail since 1989 and has a 100% completion rate to this date. Without further ado, we bring you Dr. Kathleen Crandall.
1: Hey, Dr. Kathleen Crandall, how's it going today?
4: Oh, uh, it's going pretty well. We're surviving our quarantine down here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, we know all about that up here too, unfortunately. But and where where exactly are you in the world?
4: So I'm located in a small county in Virginia called Clark County, which is pretty close to the horse country here in, in Virginia, the Middleburg, Upperville area. Okay. And I'm in my home because we are required to stay home right now in the mm-hmm. US.
1: Are you able to still do some work from home at least or are you getting really bored? Oh.
4: Uh, <laughs> I no, I'm not getting bored. I <laughs> I most of my work is uh with the computer, it's online or it's by okay. phone anyway, mm-hmm. so it really hasn't changed a lot of a lot of that for me personally.
0: Mhm. Yeah, that's perfect if Yeah. We don't have to make too many adjustments. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: have horses been a part of your life growing up?
4: Um. Yeah, I've always been drawn to horses. Uh, I was one of those like horse crazy little girl girls who was drawing horses and playing with her plastic horses, and <laughs> um, I probably would have been playing with the stuffed horses like my girls. Um, if they had made them back in those days, yeah, <laughs> I, those are more of a thing.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: Uh, yeah. Just like anything horse I, I was drawn to. Um, in my family, my father was a Navy pilot, so we moved about every three years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I didn't have like a, a, a special place that I went to, but when, um, when we were living in a place, if there was an opportunity to like to find a stable to ride out then. Then I would do that, um, mm-hmm. and then I, you know, I took when I once I got into college, I took lessons there. I took through to college, and uh, even when I was studying abroad, I went to um, a year in Net- the Netherlands, and so I took five lessons there. Too. That'd be fun.
2: And then I
4: <laughs> moved to Spain in my early, tw- in my tw- early twenties, and so um, when I was living there, I uh, I rode. Uh, quite frequently, uh, at one of our local stables uh, in that area.
3: Hmm.
4: So um, I didn't really actually own my own horse until I was in my late twenties. Okay. okay. Uh, that was the first time I bought a horse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, of course, they've been a big part of my big part of my life.
2: Yeah.
4: Uh, and then in my like early like, thirties, I, the late twenties, early thirties, I met my husband. And his family was a big, big-time endurance riding family. Oh, neat. So that's he, cool. That they got, yeah, they got me into the sport. And like uh, the whole family—father, mother, and, and the three boys—they all competed.
3: Okay. And
4: so, uh, I since trail riding was always um, a particular passion of mine,
3: mm-hmm. I, it was
4: really a good fit for me because yeah. me, it's just like mega trail riding. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm kidding. So. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, so then uh, I, comp- I think the first competition I did was, like, back in 89, I like in 89. And so I've ridden off and on in, or competed off and on since then. Um, haven't been doing a lot of competing lately. Uh, but, um, you know, as we all get older, it hurts a little bit more. <laughs>
3: so.
4: mm-hmm. uh, we also, like, my husband and I, we bred horses. For several years, we had Arabians, we had thoroughbreds, warm woods, and we did some crossing and stuff like that.
1: Oh, wow.
4: Uh, and then it got to the point where we were starting to accumulate
3: in <laughs> <We> decided <laughs> maybe,
4: <laughs> yeah, I just kind to stop, you know. And then once you stop, you know, it's hard to start again because then, well, anyway, you just, you know, it, it is. But I really do miss the babies. That was my favorite part of breeding.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. But, so um, cute.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know how that goes. So, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of a short history of my life. Of course.
0: <laughs> That's perfect. So, how did you get into equine nutrition? Can you take us through a timeline? A timeline of your education.
4: Oh yeah. So I so I studied animal science at Virginia Tech, and when I was an animal science student. I volunteered uh, at the horse farm there at the university, and I worked really closely with the professor of that program, is Dr. Tom Meacham, and I did resist, I assisted in their research and like they had training programs and they had breeding programs, and uh, I also helped like when they had to collect donation horses and then also with the rehoming of the donation horses. So it was just like. We did a lot of work together. Uh, we were also, he was in, in this trail riding club, and I was a member in the club also, and um, so we did a lot of trail riding together. So when it came time for me to graduate, he asked if I wanted to stay and do a Master's of Science because uh, he had a research project uh, that he really wanted to do and had to do with nutrition. Um, at that time, I thought I wanted to uh, go into equine physical therapy, but uh, I really enjoyed working with this professor, so I thought, oh, no, I'll take a master's. But he said, uh, you may be interested in therapy, but you really need to study nutrition, he said, because when you graduate, you know, that's where the jobs are. So, my research project was nutritional, and uh, it did have some exercise physiology in in it. And... once I really got into it, then I just became fascinated with nutrition. So when I was finishing my uh, master's, uh, the university hired a professor by uh, the name of Dr. David Kronfeld, who was a brilliant man. And um, he was starting a research program at the university, actually at, at a research farm that was part of the university uh, called the Middleburg Agriculture Research and Extended Center, and he later shortened that to Mayor Center, uh, and he needed a graduate student. So I I agreed, and so stayed on with him, and uh, he had all kinds of ideas about what to research. They were very, very practical, basic research projects at the time, and since I was his only graduate student, you know, I was the one that helped with a lot of them. Uh, and we did things like going to farms. We did a survey of different farms. So we're doing evaluations of the feeding programs in all these different farms. We did a lot of forage sampling and analyses. Um, we did diet evaluations. Uh, uh, we, we, we did some formulating of feeds, balancing rations, measuring, we did measuring growth um, in young horses. And we did all kinds of things. It's like hmm. looking at mineral deficiencies in forages, uh, so um, these, all these little, these research projects that we that I did with him, these gave me skills that I really actually used as I went on into the industry itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did so many projects but when it came down to writing my dissertation, he said, "Okay, just take the these five research projects we did with vitamin A and and write them up." So my Dissertation only has vitamin A, but I mean, we study calcium, we study like um, um, all kinds of different things. So high fat diets and horses, all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of how I got into the in, into nutrition was that way, and then this professor also was really uh, he thought it was really important that his students were exposed to the, uh, the real world, you know, outside of the university. And so he sent, sent us to a lot of conferences, I mean, nationally and internationally, uh, and uh, tried to get his other experience, sent us to visit with other professors. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he did was send me to a nutrition conference put on by Kentucky Equine Research. And that's where I met Dr. Joe Pagan, who was the owner of Kentucky Equine Research. And uh, we talked about um, what I was going to do after I graduated. And so he hired me. So that's and that's where I've been who I've been working with the last 23
1: years. OK. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, And it was kind of like they probably have those intentions to like they send you to those kind of things or or uh, maybe suggest going to those kinds of things because it's about the the people and the. Um, networking that you're going to get to do there. Yeah. As well, that, oh, ex- exactly. Yeah.
4: yeah, that's exactly what he was doing. The networking. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool.
2: So, what is your current focus? Um, working at Kentucky Equine Research.
4: Okay, so uh, through through uh, KELA, uh, I work with different feed mills in helping, um, seeds and helping uh, formulate feeds, and and then also educating. And helping the sales reps with um, their customer feeding program. Uh, I work with mills nationally and internationally. Um, after all those years in Spain, I speak Spanish, so I work with mills in South America. Oh,
3: God. oh, wow! Well. Um,
4: mm-hmm. And then KR also has a, a division in Australia and Asia. So, uh, but yeah, so I work not just in the US. Yeah, but I went. I also work with. Nails in Canada and okay. in the world. Um, they, I don't really have any sort of specific breed or type of activity that I at I consult for any type of horse, any breeding program, any training program. I mean, try to be knowledgeable about all of them. Um, the other thing that uh, that we work really hard with, or work really well hard at. The equine Research is having a resource library, and I don't know if you've ever been on their website, but there is uh, in the library there are thousands and thousands of articles
3: mm-hmm.
4: on topics of nutrition and veterinary medicine, and veterinary care uh, that are available to anybody to just
2: yeah, that's so click neat.
4: on and read mm-hmm. up on. Yeah, so we put a lot of effort into that too.
0: Mm-hmm. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, I've spent a bit of time on there, and there's I'm just like, oh, I could spend all day reading these articles or <laughs> yeah. all week. Yeah.
4: And the cool, <laughs> the cool thing is the search program because let's say you wanted to know about more about um saccharide storage that you just oh yeah, put it in the search, and you know all the articles that we have that mention it come up, pop up.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool.
1: So we're super excited to talk to you today about nutritional needs in a few different stages of a horse's life, Um, maybe throughout the breeding process and then uh, like growing horses, foals, um, when we put them into training and whatnot too. Um, So I think we're going to start off with nutritional needs of broodmares. Can you take us through the basic nutritional needs and quantities for maiden broodmare at the time that she becomes pregnant?
4: Okay, so the maiden or the baron mare, I mean, they pretty much treat it about the same. They have basically the same nutritional needs uh, as a a maintenance horse. Okay. Uh, Yeah, but um, there are certain things that you kind of need to be cognizant of when you're um, dealing, when you're getting ready to breed the maiden or the baron mare. And that's the one basic thing is their body weight. Okay. So, if you have um, a, a mare that is underweight, she's less likely to get pregnant. The conception rates have been found to be lower. But if you take that same uh, um, hard keeper skinny mare and you start feeding her, that when she's gaining weight, they found that they have a higher conception rate. So that's um, just important to think about. Mm-hmm. But on the other the other end of the spectrum, which if you have an obese mare, uh, you have to be... Um, it, it, they found that, that obese mares have lower conception rates, and it's probably got to do with um, how obesity affects hormone regulation because the body's in a state of, constant state of inflammation. So the obese mare, uh, if she... You don't want her... I mean, you don't want her losing weight when you're trying to breed her,
3: mm-hmm. because
4: they've also found that weight loss affects conception rate. So the idea is you have a beef mare and you want to breed her, try to get her to lose the weight before you actually send her to the breeding shed. Okay. Um.
2: So what, what would the ideal body condition score that be then would it be would you want that average score or would you want them a little bit
4: yeah so if you so we use this um scale for body condition scores the one it's one to nine one being a standing skeleton and nine being like super fat uh so and then five is considered the ideal so when you're breeding a a mare you want her in that five or six range The seven's okay too, but you definitely don't want her in that eight and nine. Okay. Uh, And uh, and you don't want her below that four range. So you want her kind of right there in that middle. Okay. And then the nutrient intakes. um, That it's 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 almost a different ball game when you're talking about a quarter horse. I mean, versus a thoroughbred, Mm -hmm. because. Quarter horses tend to be such easy keepers, and thoroughbreds tend to be just the opposite.
2: Yeah.
4: So the diet um, of the of the uh, the broodmare, I mean the maid, maiden horse, slash you know, right in that first trimester of pregnancy, uh, you want and I, what you're trying to do is just help them maintain that weight, but you want to make sure that they have the right balance of vitamins and minerals. And it can be, like, from forage alone, it's, it's a little hard to get the exact balance because a lot of our modern forages are low in some of the minerals like copper and zinc. And then in our dried forages, they might be a little low in the vitamins. Mm-hmm. So the best thing is just make sure that they have some sort of vitamin mineral supplement okay. at that time. Now, if forage alone will maintain their weight. Now, if they're a thoroughbred, a, a then they might need more calories to maintain weight. So then you would need you know, like some sort of concentrated feed that's balanced in the vitamins and minerals. Okay.
0: So speaking of feed, good hay is the foundation for any free feed program. Do you think straight grass mix is okay for a broodmare or would you like to see a percentage of alfalfa or anything else mixed in?
4: Um. So I like, for a broodmare, I like um, a mix uh, some alfalfa and grass hay, uh, they can do fine on just grass hay alone. Uh, it, it it may be, depending on the horse themselves, uh, when they get to late uh, gestation and then early lactation, if they're not able to maintain their weight, then, yeah, adding in alfalfa is, is good um, to help bump up the calories. The... Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of pure alfalfa. I understand that there's parts of this country where that's all you can get.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean,
4: not and, and I'm sure Canada also there's parts where all you can get is alfalfa. Alfalfa is is uh, is is great if you, particularly if you have a horse that you have trouble getting weight on. But it tends to be a little too high in calories, a little too high in calcium, and a little too high in protein for
3: mm-hmm. so the
4: average needs of a horse. That's kinda of like I like a mixed alfalfa grass or just a straight good quality straight grass. Day.
1: Okay. Which is there a like a mixed percentage that comes to mind, like for your grasses versus alfalfa? Uh
4: well, I, you know, I like it when maybe it's got twenty five percent alfalfa and seventy five, you know, up to fifty percent alfalfa. Cool. It doesn't really need to be any more alfalfa, maybe. So, I
0: heard that fescue is not very great for brood mares. Is that also true?
4: Yes, that's true. Now, it's not the grass itself, it is a, a, an endophyte that grows in the grass or can infect the grass. It's kind of like a, a fungus. Um, oh, okay. It, and it's actually within, it, it grows within the cells of the plant. Hmm. And so that fungus can produce. Um, Toxins which affect the the particularly the late gestation mare and the lactating mare. Okay,
3: so
4: uh, mares that are, and what I've seen with with fescue is the farther south that the fescue is grown, the more likely you're to have problems, more likely to be infected, and the more likely you are to have problems hmm. with the mares.
0: Thats, interesting, um, and then
4: it seems like the farther north, so maybe species grown like where you guys are may not be as toxic mm-hmm. to the brood mares as like um, mares here in Virginia,
3: okay,
4: but Definitely. it'll cause signs it yeah yeah what what you would see is toward um, the end of um of gestation, they may not bag up uh they may not produce any milk uh they may have an extended um a prolonged gestation, so that they, they may go 13 instead of I mean 12 months instead of 11 months. Um, they uh, the foals because they may be, because of the prolonged gestation, a lot of the foals are born large. Um, they they might be weak, uh, difficult in nursing. Uh, it, it can be really uh, the the biggest problem is that milk. You know, if you mm-hmm. don't have milk in, in the colostrum, mm-hmm. that's That's key for the you know the newborn foal is to get enough claster, and if the mare doesn't have it, then it's a little problem.
2: Yeah, that's definitely. Have you ever experienced any? any?
4: Mm.
0: No, not personally. No. No. No.
2: Yeah, and I mean, we have. I mean, Steph just got into breeding here a little bit ago, and so we haven't done too much with breeding yet.
1: No, no, and no, like. not fescue hay that we're feeding yeah. mostly
2: around here it's um
1: timothy and then ourselves like we're farmers so we did plant a field where it, as seed it was about 20 percent alfalfa 80 percent timothy but we'll see how it actually mm-hmm. came out of the ground this year
2: and then lots of just yeah. grass mix yeah, yeah just
1: grass brome brome would be mm-hmm. another big yeah. one up here yeah timothy brome and brome.
0: alfalfa yeah. Is orchard grass, orchard grass yeah i was gonna yeah. say yeah. there's grass. orchard grass up here too
4: Mm-hmm. yeah it makes a nice thing if you cut it young yeah mm-hmm.
2: so are there any certain deficiencies or imbalances of minerals and vitamins we should be watching out for in broodmares
4: um yes um, like in particular if you think- uh oh oh it's has got lost
2: yeah Hello.
1: Oh, I think she's still kind of Hello? The, oh, oh, oh hi. hi. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we lost.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, oh, okay. I'm back now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. If you want to just start that explanation okay. over
4: again. Okay. Yeah. So the um so the nutrient needs so the things that are that are uh, that tend to be low in forages are things like copper and zinc and then depending on where you are in like on the continent. Um, selenium and uh, so those those are really all those minerals are really important um, in, in proper functioning and, and, and the development of the fetus. so I guess those are things that you should be really careful about now mm-hmm. there was some research done in, um, in in New Zealand on copper because copper, New Zealand is notoriously low in copper and uh, this is just an example of, of how these nutrients might be important. So they had mares that were given copper when they were pregnant, um, mares that were not given supplemental copper, was pregnant. And then when the foals were born, uh, half of the foals from each group was given copper and half, half wasn't. And then they looked at the rate of devel- developmental problems in the foals, so physitis and um, OCDs, uh, osteochondrosis. And they found uh, that when the mares were not given copper when they were pregnant, they had higher incidences of, the foals had higher incidences of, of developmental orthopedic disease. Oh, as oh as wow. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, it didn't matter what you gave the foal um, after, you know, after, they still, it, it, the incidence still remained high. Yeah. So that just kind of shows you how important it is what you're feeding the mare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Yeah. So so the, in, when the foal is, the fetus is developing, in that last trimester of pregnancy, the, the mare is giving that fetus stores of zinc and copper and manganese and calcium and phosphorus. And those the foal will use when he's born. Um, if he can't get enough from the milk, you know, he's got these stores. So those need to be in the mare's diet because she'll give from herself, but they need to be, if she doesn't have enough, then she doesn't have enough to give. Mm-hmm. So they need to be in her diet. So I, the tradition with brood mares was to get them pregnant, throw them out in the field, not look at them until like, like before they're getting ready to fall. And then, oh, yeah, maybe we ought to feed this horse and then feed them and then go on. But... uh my recommendations are to not just forget about that mare. I mean, make sure she has the right, the right amount of you know those micro minerals and the macro minerals and the vitamins in the diet the whole way. Now, if you have an easy keeper mare, then you get those into her like with a mineral supplement or a ration balancer, and and you just don't need to throw a lot of extra calories at her. But uh, if she's a hard keeper, of course, then you're going to give her, you know, concentrate feed that has all those nutrients, you know, and the calories.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. Um, So I didn't talk about a ration balancer, but I think it's a like a good a good tool in a feeding program.
2: Okay. Okay.
4: Did you want to talk about that at all?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Let's talk about a ration balancer. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe yeah. Just just uh, explaining to everybody. What it is. And what
2: to look for.
4: hmm Okay. Because, so, I I looked up online Hoffman's yeah, minerals that a lot of people use there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that seems like a really good mineral supplement. Okay. So, that would do the job of what I'm trying to talk about, getting some balance into the diet. Yeah. Uh, now, um, in a lot of, I didn't see that Hoffman's made what we would call a ration balancer. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is if you have a concentrate feed and you uh, you want the horse to only eat a little bit, like maybe half a kilo a day, a kilo a day, and not not more, you know, you want a small feeding rate, you have to concentrate the amount of mineral and vitamin in there more. Okay. Um, to, yeah, because if you, if, if you, the typical feed might have a feeding rate of three kilos a day. Mm-hmm. And then, but if you only want them to feed a half a kilo, so you're going to have to get the same amount of zinc and copper, for example, or selenium in one half a kilo versus that three kilos. You're going to have to just concentrate it more. So if you look at a ration balancer, you'll see. Um, let's just take copper for example. On a typical feed with a three kilo a day feeding rate, uh, you would have um, maybe forty or fifty or sixty. Parts per million of copper, but a ration balancer would have more than 250 or 200, you know, maybe maybe as high as 300, between 200 and 300, no sense, because you're going to feed a lot less, and you want just as much copper.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. So the ration balancer is a good way to get vitamins, and that it would hold true in a ration balancer for all the you know the minerals and vitamins. There's going to be higher, higher fortifications. And so, and then it has a higher protein usually because it's, most are made to be fed with grass hay. Uh, and so the protein will be like 30%. But because you're feeding a small amount, you're not getting that much protein. Um, so you can. F- Get, get by with an easy keeping mare, just like maybe the first trimester feeding her just that mineral to supplement mineral supplement
3: okay. and then
4: maybe the second semester she starts you might you might want to switch her to a ration balancer okay. so half a kilo a day and then work her up to a kilo a day um by the time she's in the third trimester and then that's all that that would supply her needs all the way through pregnancy now that I'm talking about the easy keepers um mm-hmm. And then when she folds, you can, if she needs more calories, then you can give her a conventional feed that's formulated for that's brood mares and growing horses. Um, or you can keep her on the ration balancer and then just pump it up to like a few and a half a day. Okay. Uh, if you have a mare that's not an easy keeper, then you just would go with a conventional feed that's formulated for for um, the brood mare. So that she gets that proper balance of watching and vitamins, and then if you're feeding their recommended feeding rate, she'll be getting what she needs.
3: Mm-hmm. Now,
4: if you have the mare that's somewhere in between, she doesn't need three kilos a day, but she needs more than half a kilo. Then you can get that that feed that's recommended to get three kilos a day and give her like the two. Maybe she just needs two kilos a day or a kilo and a half a day. Um, give that to her and then top it off with the, your vitamin mineral supplement. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's complicated system, but <laughs> that's, that's the way that you can assure that when is getting enough copper in the diet and mm-hmm. you're getting enough zinc and enough magnesium, all those things that would be important for healthy growth and the bowl.
2: Okay, so I have a question. So for that Hoffman's mineral, mm-hmm. it's just a, it's a loose mineral and they say you can, mm-hmm. you can, give it as a top dressing in the feed or just feed it free choice. Would that be something that would be, that would work if you for, say for that in between horse, if you give them a little bit of the ration balancer and then just leave that mineral free choice, or would you still like to be measuring it out?
4: Yeah. If you wouldn't, if you're giving the ration balancer, at the, you know, at the recommended rate, Mm-hmm. You wouldn't need the free choice mineral, okay? But um you just need salt of some sort, the free okay. choice salt. But uh, if you because look, the like Hoffman's didn't have a ration balancer, so it's either mm-hmm. the like the maintenance horse or you know the breeding horse, which all had like minimum feeding rates of three kilos. Mm-hmm. So if you if you gave if you would just give them a half a kilo of that or a kilo of that then you would definitely want that free yeah. choice. You could do the top dress it to make sure they're getting the, the amount of minerals that you want them to have, okay. which is what I would recommend as top dressing. Mm-hmm. Or you could just do the free choice. Okay. You know, like
1: if you have hay with a very good nutritional analysis, would you still need to have a broodmare on additional concentrated feed? And if so, what would the perfect hay analysis look like for a broodmare?
4: Okay. So, if you look at these hay analyses, they give you the amount of um, of protein in the hay, the amount... If you get a good analysis, it'll give you the amount of starch and sugar in the hay. It'll give you the amount of fiber in the hay, different types of fibers. Uh, it'll probably give you calcium and phosphorus. Uh, the more complete ones will also give you the micro zinc, copper and um, Most don't give you selenium because it's an expensive analysis. You have to do it separately. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so a hay can, you know, if you're looking at the protein and you're looking at the calories, oh, it also gets calories. If you look at the calories and you look at, um, the amount of fiber and all that, and it'll look really, really good, uh, it's, it, it might suffice for providing enough calories for the horse, depending on, you know, the metabolism of that, that horse. But if you look down, and I have not seen a hay analysis with um, enough copper and zinc mm. um, to meet the requirements of, of the food there. Okay. So in answer to the question, um, do you need additional concentration? You may just need, I think I can window, maybe just a, a, um, a vitamin mineral supplement. You okay. may just need a, or a ration balancer, or you may need a concentrate, depending on the the um, nutritional. I mean, the um, caloric needs of the horse,
1: mm-hmm. depending on
4: the mare. Uh, the um, the perfect hay analysis uh, would be a hay that was, um, uh, you know, eight to. Fourteen percent protein somewhere in there. Um, the the fibers would be like ADF and NDF. Um, ADF, some of you are know, thirty to forty, and NDF somewhere in there and forty-five to fifty-five. I mean, those those would be just you know perfect hay. But uh, again, I think even with the most perfect looking hay, you're still going to need some type of Minimum, minimum. Yeah. The other thing about hay is um, the vitamins; they're very, very abundant. Particularly A, D, and E are very abundant in uh, in green grass. Okay. But once you cut it and dry it, the the, the, hay, the, um, the hay starts losing those vitamins. So that's another thing to to keep in mind. If you have hay. if you're feeding hay, you also probably need some of the fat soluble vitamins.
0: Okay. If you do need to add concentrates, and you're looking to buy a commercial feed, what would you look for in a feed?
4: In the feed, okay. So I would look. I mean, every feed manufacturer has uh, has one that's designed for broodmares. Um or or you know the, the requirements in a broodmare feed or the the formulation in the broodmare feed is about the same as that for like a yearling growing horse feed, so it's really similar. Okay. So uh, that's what I would look for, one that's actually a feed that's designed for the growing, you know, for the breeding. Um And you'll see the protein might be a little bit higher. It might be like 14 or 16%. Um, and then the minerals and vitamins can be a little more concentrated than your maintenance horse feed.
1: Okay. And do you have any recommendations for feed if someone was to mix their own uh, ration at home? I know up here in our neck of the woods, it's kind of a new thing. A lot of people are are really back on like the oats. Um, We've been hearing lots about like barley even too, um, peas and flax and kind of mixing those up together in uh, their own ration. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, that's fine. Um, If you grow your own, I think it's great. The only thing is those vitamins and those minerals, so you probably would want to, you know, mix in, like, those alpha minerals or mm-hmm. or some sort of, like, premix of some sort. Something to like, because the, I mean, the only problem about the grains and doing your own hay, as long as you've got, like, you're feeding, like, alfalfa or alfalfa mixed hay, uh, then the calcium should be all right. But, like, when you're feeding a lot of grain uh, to... Um, a lot of grain, maybe oats or a lot of peas, they're pretty high in phosphorus.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: and Actually, peas, I don't know. But um, at least the, the grains like oats and corn, but, uh, barley and corn are pretty high in phosphorus and low in calcium. So you want some sort of calcium source. Um, you'll see that those mineral mixes usually have like added calcium. Maybe not any phosphorus. Cause, um, or they might, they might or they might not have phosphorus. But, uh, okay. Um, that's the only trick is trying to to balance out the minerals that might be low and the same in the things that say and, and homemade grain. Um,
1: I wonder if and you could just PC take your <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if you could just take your little like mix up and take it to the grain elevator and they would give you a like a nutritional analysis or you must be able to send it somewhere.
4: Yeah, you can send your grain mixes off to and I don't know about it. Canada, but our extension service um, usually can recommend where you can get an an analysis. There's uh, labs all over the country that can do an analysis. They'll do hay analysis, but they'll also do grain analysis.
2: They will,
1: yeah. So if
4: you made your mix up and then send a sample off to them, they could tell you what it was missing.
2: Okay, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I typically, like I feed oats myself, but then I also feed, make sure I feed alfalfa pellets to balance out like the calcium-phosphorus ratio.
4: There you go. Yeah, that works well.
2: Do any of these needs change as their pregnancy progresses in regards to the vitamins and minerals, or is it just increasing the calories?
4: Uh, Well, the requirements actually do increase. Um, they do gradually increase with pregnancy. So the some of these mineral requirements would be higher in the, and, um in the late gestation so but usually they they say that as you, if you're increasing the amount of seeds then you're also increasing the okay. intake of these you know. Okay. so it usually kind of balances out that way
1: yeah
2: that makes it simple. <laughs>
1: We're moving through the stages of the mare's pregnancy. So now say the mare has had a foal. She's nursing that foal, and we know her nutritional needs are high uh, just for that. But what about, say, a person wants to go breed that mare back on full heat? So not only is she trying to uh, nurse a foal, but she's also trying to um, cons- conceive. conceive again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, is, yeah. is the nutritional yeah. requirements bumped up even yet again at this stage?
4: Okay, so by the time, once you falls, you're probably going to bump up her intake, or nutrition anyway. I mean, you probably are now feeding her, uh, you know, four kilos of, you know, three to four kilos of, of, a, of a feed. So, the, um, she's probably on a pretty high plane of nutrition anyway. All right. Now, um, when if you're trying to breed her back, if you think back about the nutrient requirements of the... Mare when she's like the Baron or the Maiden mare, they really aren't that different than the maintenance horse. So there's so the mare that's being bred back um, on her full heat doesn't really have any higher I mean higher requirements than the regular than the mare, but uh, it's already being t- it's probably already being taken care of with, okay. with the increase in fees that she's been getting. Okay.
0: So, how would this change again as the full ages up into a weaning time?
4: Okay, so the if you looked at the milk quality um, that a mare produces, it seems to increase in quality up to about three months, and then then it um, then it decreases in quality after those three months. So the the mare's requirements. On those first three months, of lactation are probably the highest of any sort of type of horse, It's even a high performance horse.
1: Hmm. Okay, um,
4: first three months because they're trying to make all that milk. Yeah, yeah. Um, but about three months, you know, by this time the foal is getting a good percentage of its diet. I mean, they're they're eating grass and they're nibbling on on grain, and so they're getting a, a good portion of their diet. Um, that's you know aside from the milk. Mm-hmm. so uh, you can see that the mayor's requirements about after three months, you know, going into four months, they they probably don't need quite as much um, likewise many calories to maintain the weight uh, and, and and their requirements have to go. So you can start bringing, depending on the mayor you know and her ability to maintain like, you can start tapering down her intake
2: as well. Okay. So speaking of the foal now nibbling on grain and grass and stuff, should a person be trying to avoid that? Or is it okay that the foal is sharing with the, with the mare or should you try and keep them fed separate?
4: Yeah, it, it, it kind of depends. I did. It's okay for them to nibble a little bit, but if they get, Super greedy
3: mm-hmm. and start
4: eating too much of mom's. Then you really do need to take the bull by the horns and separate them, and they okay. okay, because uh, yeah, if you start to see that bull really jumping um, in in growth. Um, start maybe or maybe developing cystitis, Uh mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's a good idea to watch. You know how much he's eating of mom mom's food. Uh, so. Uh, but if you're, some mares are pretty selfish and they don't like baby, (laughs) eat from their their pan anyway, you know? So then, then it's easy. Then you give the baby their own little pan. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: But, um, yeah, if, if they start to eat too much, it can be a bit of a problem.
1: Okay. And when do you typically suggest, uh, offering the full feed and or supplements?
4: So I typically start... Would suggest start starting to creep feed around um, around four months. Four. Uh, it's, that's a, yeah, around four months, and then I might start with just a little bit of a ration balancer. Uh, if the mare is not producing enough milk, then I certainly would start to try to get the foal on some kind. Well, you know, if he's too skinny, you know, he's not growing well, mm-hmm. then I would try to get him um, more feed. But uh, yeah. at that time. Um, just like some sort of type of ration balancer or a little bit of a full feed. And then uh, typically they get weaned between six and eight months. Um, But by the time they're six months and eight months, maybe they're eating more. And what they've seen is when the foal gets weaned, you'll see a sort of like a crash in their weight gain because it's a pretty stressful time. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they might have compensatory growth after they have after they have adjusted. So the idea is, like, sometimes a lot of problems, some of the developmental orthopedic diseases can happen when they have that compensatory growth. So you kind of want to um, uh, level up that curve so that there's no drop and then compensatory mm-hmm. Gain, and you can do that by having the foal, you know, already on uh, um, on a concentrate feed, you know, and then. Uh, so when they get weaned, they're accustomed to the con- concentrate, eating the concentrate feed, And so you don't get, you know, they don't, they maintain the intake and so mm-hmm. you probably never better drop in weight.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
4: Mm, yeah, that does.
0: So for mares and foals out on a mixed grass pasture, what do you recommend? Any concentrates or just salt and mineral? Uh...
4: The, I guess kind of depends on the breed. Yeah,
0: that's um, true. I like.
4: Yeah, so like it's the, the thoroughbreds. You, you're you're going to be throwing the. They're even on the best of grass pastures. You're going to be throwing the grain to them just to get them <laughs> to maintain their weight.
3: Yeah, in the
4: mare. Okay. Um. So uh, yes, and those those cases, you, you certainly probably you certainly would want to be supplementing with with a good not a good feed. Okay. The but then if you have like our arabians are pretty easy keepers. so they uh, they those broodmares I mean when they were on good grass they were getting a ration balancer and that was doing it for them I mean that was enough that's all they needed mm-hmm. so you know that may be what it all it takes just some sort of ration balancer uh, you could go with just a mineral salt if they're maintaining weight but the thing is I don't think you could get the intakes in the full. And then also, it wouldn't. I mean, I think you want to start feeding the foal at some point
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, before you wean them just so that you can help smooth out that help, transition. Yeah, between. for sure.
2: Yeah, so even if they were okay, you'd still want to be putting them on that feed.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So once a foal is weaned, um, what would their nutritional requirements be then once they're off milk?
4: Yeah. So then now, you know, they're not getting any help from, from the milk, mm-hmm. and so they have to get all of the their requirements from whatever you're feeding them. Um, they are they have higher requirements for most of the nutrients because they are now they're building body tissues. You know, they're building bone, they're building muscle, they're building. You know, they're creating new body, so to speak. Uh, so those, so they'll need more of uh, the copper and zinc, and they'll need more calcium and phosphorus, and they need more protein. Uh, so I is like again, depending on the breed, um, most foals do well with just some sort of foal feed. I mean a concentrate feed that's designed for, for foals. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are mixing your own you know, oats and barley and corn and, and whatever um, soy, then you, know, you should actually, you should uh, fortify it with some sort of mineral mm-hmm. so that they can get those other nutrients that might not be in the seed. I do like alfalfa mix hay in particular for these young going horses
1: because okay. it's higher in protein. Yeah.
4: Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, higher in calcium.
1: In that same, like, 25 to 50% uh, ratio again?
4: Yeah, I mean, for these young horses, you can even go higher. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So if you were feeding one of those commercial feeds and you said they should be on a full feed, when would you switch them over from a full feed to, like, a regular growing horse ration?
4: So they have so different there's different kinds of full seeds. So there's some full seeds that are designed to be a creep seed and actually has milk products in it. Okay. Milk protein in there. That one you could you could feed that through well, through weaning and then and then um but they don't really need that much, you know, much beyond there. Beyond eight months of age. Okay. Uh and then, then there's foal feeds, which feeds that are designed for the growing horse, and they are like in general they tend to be fortified for the, the eight to eight to eighteen month old horse you know, fall, growing horse. Um, so then it would be about an eight month when you could wean them over from off the, the baby horse feed to the, to the fall feed, full and growing horse feed.
2: Okay. Hey, rider dies! If you haven't already, make sure you check out OE Nutraceuticals in Canada for clinically proven and tested supplements, and be sure to use our code Horse for ten percent off. So, how often should we adjust or reevaluate the quantity
1: that they're getting fed while they are these young growing horses?
4: Um, I, I, you know, I like uh, monitoring the growth of these guys. Uh, it's just maybe the scientist in me, but so when we we had breeding programs, I would weigh the whole once a month,
3: okay, okay.
4: and then chart it, and so uh, chart their growth rate. And if I could see, if I saw that they, something that they were deviating, they were falling off, or they were growing too fast, then then I could make adjustments in mm-hmm. into the diet. And that's kind of if you're serious about breeding, then that's. What I would do is just monitor, you know, all you could do is weigh them once a month. You can use a weight tape because that gives you the relative change, even though be not the like, exact weight of the horse, but you can see relative change.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. And do
4: sense. a weight and a height. Yeah, do a weight and a height and just see if you if you see any, if, if they fall off or if you, maybe a little bit too rapid growth, oh, you know, then you don't want that either. So then mm. you can kind of come back. It works really well.
2: So you said you're a fan of flax. Does it need to be ground, or is feeding whole flax okay?
4: Um, it can be whole as long as you know the horse has a good working set of working molars. Okay, they can they can grind it pretty well, uh, and uh, you see, you may see some flax coming out the other end mm-hmm. piles, but uh, usually they, they can do pretty well. I don't. Uh, it, technically, you can. Grind it, but you should grind it right before feeding uh, and not leave like ground flax laying around um, Mm -hmm. um, exposed to air because there's some um, cyanogenic glycosides in there that might start producing cyanide. And so you don't want that to build up, but um, you can buy ground flax like already in the market. That's usually been stabilized, so you don't have to worry about that. But if you're, if you have whole flax seeds, I would just eat them whole. Yeah. okay.
2: Perfect. I know we've had lots of
4: listeners wanting to know about that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and it's a popular Yeah, and if you're going to grind it, grind that's great. But mm-hmm. just don't leave it sitting around. You know, don't yeah. grind for the week. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Eat it, you know, grind, you know, feed it within 24 hours.
1: And I guess if you wanted to get, get it into those harder keepers or maybe like the the babies um, to give them a little bit extra uh, fat, you might want to grind it for those particular horses because they might not have their teeth yeah, working 100%. Yeah, because the babies,
4: because
2: they,
4: <laughs> yeah, they don't have the best working <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: so, uh, yeah. So while we're focusing on feeding the growing horse to ensure they're getting enough nutrition, what should we be watching out for so we do not overfeed certain nutrients and cause developmental
4: issues? Okay, so you just want to watch that they're um, not growing too fast. Because uh, that, that's rapid growth and, or, or that they get too fat. So there's, there's, uh, um, overweight and rapid growth increase the, the risk of developing the orthopedic disease. Okay. Uh, you should watch, like, you should watch that they're not getting upright and they're particularly in the tendons. So um, that would be an indication they're growing too fast, and there's really time to cut back on the calories. Contracted uh, um, tendons are there. once you have to do with them? Um, they also, if you think about the amount of weight that they have, like if they're too fat then that's a lot of extra weight on those joints. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not that, that healthy for them to be carrying all that extra. So those are the main things, just like making sure they're not burning too fast and uh, not getting too heavy. Okay. So is there, like... Well, the a- other thing is that they're and they're not growing on the other the other extremes They're not growing. They need to pick, yeah. You know, good look at them. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um... So when if you're charting your foals weight, is there a certain percentage you should be looking for for growth per month? Or is it kind of dependent on the horse?
4: Yeah. So it okay. So like if I was looking at pounds per day, the average day would gain, it's gonna be different for the six month old, you know, the four month old might be two pounds a day. And and of course in the, the, the final adult weight of the horse. Um, but what it is is you'll if you see the curve it's not a straight line it's like I don't know, uh, it's a, a, how do you explain the curve it's, um so they they might be gaining two two pounds a day when they're four months six, five months old, but only a pound a day when they're um they're twelve months old mm-hmm. so you, so the curve kind of. It's pretty steep It's in the early stages, and then the older they get, the more it levels off. Okay. I don't know how, how to explain that. But yeah. um, so we have uh, – there's the so Kentucky Wind Research has a, um, a program for um, monitoring growth, and it has a growth curves already in there so you can compare your full growth curve to a standard growth curve oh,
3: cool. and the
4: standard is made from thousands and thousands of weights of, of of foals um, like averaged out mm-hmm. so that would be your standard so you could see years comparatively but what you want to just make sure is happening with the weight is like it's not it's kind of steady so maybe if they're going from two pounds a day to one and a half pound a day to one pound a day but as long as they don't go okay this month we did two pounds a day and then the next month we gained half a pound a day and then the next month we gained three pounds a day you know because if it's doing something like that yeah then then there's something not quite yeah you know, right
2: okay
1: that was your main um, like developmental issue is just either too big or too small. Was there anything else that came to mind that we can affect or cause by overdoing it nutritionally?
4: in the young. Yeah. Um, Okay. So if we're just looking at developmental orthopedic diseases, you know, the problems like firefighters or. For Uh they they have they like let's just focus on osteochondrosis for a second. They looked at the risk factors, and so they looked at too much protein in the diet, um, too many calories in the diet, and then they looked at the minerals in the diet. And it, it seemed like one of the things. Some of the early research showed that lack of copper was was increased the risk of developing. Um, Osteoporosis. osteochondrosis,
3: okay.
4: but um, when they looked at energy and protein, if you had um, too much energy in the diet, increase the risk of getting um, osteochondrosis. If you had too much protein, it did not increase the risk. Okay.
1: So,
4: yeah. So, the protein um, is not, I mean, it was not, previously it was thought to be a reason for some of these developmental orthopedic problems, but now, um, we know it really isn't. It's more a factor of calories. Just hmm. too much growing to fast, too, too many calories. Interesting. Um,
1: and because we, we have heard before, too, like, and then sometimes, like, extra protein, they will just urinate that out, whereas maybe with carbs and starch, that doesn't, that can't happen.
4: Uh, Is that related right? to the what? And, we're and about. also, when they have too much, yeah, sort of. But you know, also if they have too much protein, they'll pee out the nitrogen part of the protein molecule. But the rest of the molecule can be used for energy. Okay. So if you have too much protein, they're also getting too much, too much energy. So then they get fat. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll get fat on too much protein. Also, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So a way to prevent, I guess, those issues would just be cutting back on the feed then. When we notice that kind of stuff.
4: They're yeah, cutting back in the seed. Now, you do want to make sure they have enough protein because um, if they don't have enough protein, they won't, they won't grow well. Mm-hmm. And then they also won't have proper muscle development. So they might, you know, look a little um, anemic <laughs> because they just, there's just not enough protein in the diet. So if you're cutting back the calories, they do, you still need to make sure they have enough protein. mm mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, at Kentucky Research, we have a program called Road Track, and we have a program called Microseed. And Microseed is a ration balancing program.
1: Oh, okay. And there you
4: go. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can take everything you're feeding the horse, like the forage, and if you're feeding a concentrate, or this this actually would be a really good program for um, somebody who's doing making their own feed. Um, so then you can like okay I'm feeding this horse this many pounds. So hey I'm feeding this many pounds of oats and this many ounces of, of peas and this many ounces of flax and and then it, it it you put it all together with the the specifics of the horse so the weight and age and um, and it, you know, like even if it's an easy keeper hard keeper you can add all these specifics to get the specific requirements then you put all those and then you compare those requirements with what the Feed has, and you can see what you might be missing, you know, or where you might be. Um, well, that's neat. Mm-hmm. Over in, in things, so it's, it's a pretty cool program. Mm-hmm. We we'll use it a lot. We're is that that's just on that your food. website? Um, you know that the thing about the program is, we, since we work Kentucky Corn Research partners with a number of different feed mills, we have on the website on their website they might have. Um, the program with just their feeds, oh, okay. but we have a. But the program itself, we don't like. We don't sell the program, but if somebody goes to the website and asks for a, a consult, okay. um, you can put all the stuff, all your information into the website, and then one of the nutrition advisors will put it into the program, mm-hmm. and um, and and then see it, like and let you know like what it would give you the results of the program.
2: Yeah. Oh, cool. Hmm. That's helpful. (laughs)
0: Yeah. All right. So we're moving on to the fire rapid question section. So we love asking these questions because they're from either our listeners or maybe just little questions that we would like to know. So just a section where it's a quick little answer or I guess however in depth you want to go, but just kind of something quick and to the point um, for these next ones. So Casey from Instagram asked, how do you ensure proper protein energy ratio for grow- growing fools?
4: Okay, so we used to look at that protein energy ratio, but uh, the it is it, not. We don't have to find it quite as useful anymore. Okay, um, like I like I told you previously when uh, when we looked at uh, the incidence of of OCDs with With excess of protein, it didn't increase, but when you saw the the calories, it did increase. The risk did increase. So, um, as long as I don't know how to to say, I don't know how to give you the perfect protein to energy ratio, Mm -hmm. but um, as long as they have enough protein in the diet, and then the energy, you would just um, you would monitor and then just. Adapt it to, you know, whether the ball is growing well or not. Okay. So you, you need to support healthy growth and not excessive growth and, mm-hmm. and not undergrowth. I'm not a very good answer. No, that's great. <laughs> <No>, that's, <laughs> that's great. That. That's great. <laughs>
1: what are the benefits of beet pulp and when might you utilize them in a horse's diet? And furthermore, what's your opinion on if they need to be
4: soaked or not? Okay, so, uh, beet pulp is a great source of fiber for the horse, digestible fiber. So this is fiber that the horse can actually use for calories. And so I would use it when I'm trying to get, uh, more calories into the horse in the form of fiber. So, uh, the other thing that I like to use beet pulp for is to sneak water into horse. And that goes to your question of whether it should be soaked. Mm-hmm. Now you can always mix in a little bit of beet pulp into a con- concentrate beet dry, and you might be all right. But I really prefer soaking beet pulp because I think horses eat it better soaked. Uh, and then I I also use it as a way to sneak some water into them. Mm-hmm. In the wintertime when you're just worried they're not drinking enough water, it's, enough, it's one way to really um, make sure they're getting more water mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to once you soak it 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 just uh, expands and just soaks up a ton of water. I mean if you've ever have you ever used it you know and, and just add water and you're like, oh uh, I think I need to more add water. More water. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> oh, exactly. no <nope>, more water. <laughs> <not sure>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and then B is also like in the in the concentrate seeds, uh, you'll see the high fiber concentrate seeds. Uh there a lot of them will have beet pulp in it, and that's what they're trying oh, to yeah. do is increase the fiber content of the
2: Okay. Do hay cubes need to be fed soaked, or are those okay dry?
4: Um, They are okay dry, I'm a nervous Nelly with hay cubes, and I always soak mine, because I'm, I am, just like with beet pulp, I prefer it soaked, and with hay cubes, I prefer it soaked, just because I just want to decrease that chance I mean, they, they can choke on the
3: cubes, mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. Um, particularly horses that don't have a good set of working molars, Uh It can be a little problem. So, uh, yeah, I'm just a nervous nally for folks or, or hay cubes.
2: Would you say the same for pellets, like um, alfalfa pellets or
4: hay pellets? Hey, alfalfa pellets? Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm, again, a little bit of a nervous nally just because I've had horses choke on alfalfa pellets okay um i no, but i, I actually it depends on the horse hmm. whether to soak it a senior horse absolutely okay. an older horse absolutely soak them and you know, things soften them but young horses they're all there they should be fine with an alfalfa pellet particularly if it's mixed in with uh something else so that they aren't bolting them and trying to eat them too fast
0: yeah when dealing with a hard keeper, what does your ideal feed program look like?
4: Okay, so when I'm trying to get um, get a horse to gain weight, or or um, or loosening gain weight, and even uh, uh, I first thing I do is look at the forage. The higher the quality forage, the more calories you can get in that horse with that forage. So if you had like an old old Timothy and or you had a nice orchard grass alfalfa mix, uh, I would go with that orchard grass, grass alfalfa mix for that kind of horse because I can sneak more calories into them that way. Then I would go for, um, if they still need, of course, they need more calories, then I would go for one of the higher, if it's an adult horse, a higher fat, high fiber concentrate, uh, I think that that's a good way, again, to get the calories into the horse. Um, they A lot of them don't need a lot of starch now. It's a really high-performance horse. So like um, a racehorse, maybe even a barrel racing horse, but um, I think more particularly racehorses, they probably need some starch in the diet just to give them the energy that they need, the quick, quick energy. Uh, but I probably wouldn't add it unless... There is a reason. Like if, it, if my horse didn't have enough pumps get up and go, then I would start adding some sort of grain, like oats or something like that, or a concentrate feed that has fiber, fat, and some grain. Such, um, then I, you know, I, and if that's still not, they're still not gaining, then I might give them uh, oil, put oil over the feed, uh, or maybe add rice bran. To it, to the feeding program, something to boost to beef up the amount uh, of fat in the diet.
1: Could we talk peas a little bit? Um, what's your thought on peas uh, as a feed? Like I know they're a little bit higher calorie because they've got quite a bit of protein. And um, what's your thoughts on the amount of starch in them for horses?
4: Yeah, so peas, um, they're they're a good protein source, but they also have a really good starch source. So uh, they have, they're pretty high in starch if you're trying to avoid starch, I if you have a horse that has a problem like insulin resistance like or cushions or something like that, and you're trying to avoid starch, you, you don't want to be feeding them that that kind of horse pee.
1: But it would but, be good uh, for a one you're trying to put weight on.
4: Yeah, good for one you're trying to put weight on, yeah.
1: And, and young ones, would you say, like, is there any risk to feeding them such a high nutri- nutrient-dense
4: grain or legume? No, it shouldn't be. I mean again, they have higher protein requirements and they have um, we don't really know what a what starch requirement they have, but they do need some starch in their diet for for proper growth. So it, it would be a good good addition to their diet, but not in excessive quantities.
2: Right, okay, just a, a bit of it. Okay, cool. Thanks. So I have a personal um, question as well for one of my own horses. She's a four-year-old appendix quarter horse. Like, she's pretty small, but she's pretty thoroughbred um, And mm-hmm. in the summer, she's just on grass, and she's ideal weight, like, looks really nice. But in the winter, she's on hay, just a mixed grass hay right now. And she's on oats and peas and alfalfa pellets. little bit of flax um but she just like she she's pretty good she you you can see her ribs a little bit and then her butt like you know how it's normally just that nice curve but in the winter she's it's kind of more in a v-shape like not extreme but it's just not Mm, how i like her is this does she need more protein or what should i be
4: yeah, that's part. a that's a poss- you know it's a it's a possibility. You said it's a mixed grass hay. Yeah. So it's just grass, not mixed with alfalfa. Or it is.
2: There's like a little. Some of the hay has a little bit of alfalfa, but not not old, that much. Probably like it was no. there, yeah. it twenty years yeah. ago or something. Yeah. 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 So she
4: might be a good peeking with it.
2: Okay. She oh she is on a little bit yeah. of peas, but maybe I just need to up it. Bump them up a little.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe up it a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, and she gets a vitamin mineral supplement.
2: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, she has a. She's getting the Hoffman's mineral every a day. Mineral, okay. Yeah, one? yeah,
4: yeah. And then I don't know if beet pulp is, is how abundant it is and where you are, but I, don't don't you grow sugar beet? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we have beet beet pulp yeah. available here, and yeah. it's affordable. Is the thing too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So that yeah, might
1: be something to add. Okay. add
2: some
4: people, yeah, that's another option.
2: Okay. Perfect.
4: But the pea. you know, when you said that she's losing condition of line quarters, you know, the peas would be the
1: person acting. Okay. I've noticed, like, I don't, my horses don't get a ton of peas, but I've noticed they look really good since since starting them, like, top line and muscle-wise. Like, her, my performance horse, her vet, like, the vet even commented, like, wow, like, what have you been doing with her this year? Yeah. But there is, um, there's like a little bit of kickback from the performance world, it seems, like just from the starch in them. So I wanted to, mm-hmm. I wanted to quiz
0: you about that too. Mm-hmm. Interesting what the insulin yeah. uh, resistance, or what is it, insulin? Uh, like the PSSM and stuff. Insulin resistance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very yeah. interesting, that. Or a
1: horse that founders too, would yeah. they be higher risk?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Type. Yeah, you, you just, you don't want them to give them one the
1: mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. and like how many how much are you feeding for peas uh my older broodmare that i'm trying to put weight on she's getting three cups of peas but she's okay. also getting oats flax beet pulp
2: see and that's <laughs> what i give mine but and three like last year in the winter she did a lot better but the hay was a lot better it was tough this winter yeah the hay and was my tough. The summer yeah the summer was and tough. my hay last year was probably a it was a grass but mixed with red clover and cut at the right time yes mm-hmm. So it was way nicer.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So you can see the the importance of a good quality the quality Mm -hmm. of the forage from one year to the next. I mean, that's probably the only thing that's been that's really different than different in our diet. Yeah. And it's not doing as good a job maintaining weight. Yeah, Mm
2: because I think I hardly fed. I didn't have to feed
4: near as much ration as I am now. We had um, so at the. When I was uh, superintendent of the mare center, um, they, we had over 100 thoroughbreds in the breeding program, okay. and we had a drought one, one year. And these mares, they could maintain, they're all, again, off being thoroughbreds, they were maintaining on pasture, and we had tons of grass normally, um, and they maintain on pasture well with just, uh, I think we fed them, it was probably close to maybe five kilos a day of of a concentrate. Uh, And uh, that one year that we had a drought, we had the skinniest mares, uh, skinnier mares than we'd ever had, and we were feeding almost double
3: the amount of feed.
4: And it was all just, yeah, it was all just because the the forage had changed that much. I mean, Mm -hmm. there just wasn't as much grass and it wasn't as good. Mm -hmm. uh, Environment.
2: yeah, it makes a big difference if you can find some good good forage for sure. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, another question that we had were, what are the pros and cons of feeding barley versus oats?
4: Okay, so oats have been found to be very digestible in just whole oats or crimped oats. Whatever you do to an oat, you grind it, It it's digestible, just about any, any form, and it's well digested um, by the horse. But when you look at barley, uh, if you it, the the just the whole barley is not nearly as digestible as the oat. And the difference is in the type of starch grain. So the oat has a really uh, small starch granule that's easily digested with just the regular enzymes you find in the horse's digestive tract. But the barley has a larger, and more crystalline starch molecule that's resistant to those enzymes. So, what we recommend with barley, if you're going to feed barley, it should be heat treated in some way because when you heat those starch molecules, they it changes the, their nature, and so they become more easily digested by the horse.
0: So, what so, about like a steam
4: barley then? Um, yeah, so steam rolled barley. I mean, if you're going to feed barley, I would, I would recommend steam mold. Um, while well, as with your feeding oats, it doesn't really matter. You can feed a whole, you can feed a cramp, you can feed it, whatever. So that's, that's the, the, the um, uh, now barley is higher in starch than oats. And so it's actually more calorie dense. If you put, give it, <laughs> feed it to them in the right form. So uh just been heat treated in some way. Um, uh. What else about barley? Um, barley yes. also can be kind of whole barley can be kind of hard for them to chew, uh, but oats tend to not be a problem for most horses if they have good teeth. So if you so are again, that's that, another. Is your barley easier, easier to chew? I mean, that that would be another reason to want to steam roll it in some way. Mm-hmm.
0: So, if you do have the steamrolled barley, I've heard, like, maybe this is a myth, but I heard that um, barley is, like, a cooler energy, whereas, like, oats are more of, like, a hotter energy. Is that true?
4: <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, the, the, uh, the, the, the myth, I'm going to call it a myth, <laughs> the myth in the U.S. is just the opposite. You know, that, oh, really? Um, yeah, the uh, barley is more... Heating than, than oats But I've heard what you're saying From people in Australia I've heard it from people in England as well oh, really? I think um, it kind of comes from Like when if you didn't Steamroll or you didn't heat treat The barley and you said barley uh, Then It may be more cooling because It's not as much starch is being digested In the small intestine oh, okay. and it's going to, the, to the hindgut and getting fermented mm. Um so maybe that and that, that might be where that sort of idea came from originally. And that oats, they, it's more digestible in the small intestine, so they're getting more of the calories and starch than the horses. Yeah. So they get, they have more energy. But uh, I think once you steam treated, then there's probably no difference. Uh, in fact, I think barley would be more, it's higher in starch, so it would actually be more heating or more, um, give them more, more starch, more spark, more more, um, anim- yeah, um, uh, animation. I don't know, more lightiness, whatever. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. more energy mm-hmm. than oats <laughs> would.
1: So when you're looking at oats, uh, peas, barley, what's the? I guess we could Google this too. But what's the highest starch to the lowest starch there?
4: Starch fifty-one oh, percent.
1: Okay.
4: So like oats are right around in you know, around 40, forty between forty and forty five in starch. Peas that average at fifty one percent and then barley averages um I think it's closer to sixty. Oh. So starch wise peas would be right in between. In between. Okay, interesting. Yeah. But again and peas is pretty, it's very available to the, for digestion in the small intestine. um, Unlike the starch in the barley, yeah, barley at
1: 60%. And steamrolling barley, like that's not the same as just like running it through, like milling it or rolling it with a rolling machine. Like steam rolling, you're actually, you have to uh, imply some heat.
4: You have to heat. See, the only effect that, the only thing that affects the digestibility of starch is the heat. That heat treatment. The okay. interaction with heat. Hmm. So if you're just like milling, yeah, if you're just running it through a crimper or a roller, that doesn't do it. That just breaks open the grain. So um, that doesn't change the starch itself. Okay. Good
1: to know.
4: So what we found is that with barley just rolled but not rolled or whole, um, then you're going to get a lot of the starch Leaving the small intestine undigested and going into the large intestine and fermenting. So the total tract digestibility is still, still pretty high, but when you get um, starch, a lot of starch in the hind in the hind gut, the large intestine, then you start affecting the pH, and that can have its effects on on the, the proper functioning of that part of the digestive tract when it comes to um, digesting forages, and that's where most of you. The fibers being digestive is in that part of the digestive tract. So uh, I wouldn't feed a lot of uh, a whole lot of barley without you know, heat treating it. Something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. But so when you're talking, if you're feeding like a half a kilo of barley versus like three kilos of barley, I mean, there's a, there's a huge difference. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, sure. know, a little bit of barley is okay, fine. It's yeah, not yeah. a problem. Oh, yeah. It's just when you're feeding Large, trying to make that your main source,
1: you got to be smart about it. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, all right, so we like to uh, save a little quick tip for everybody and just to carry forward to even promote this podcast down the road, too. If you were going to leave our listeners with one piece of nutritional advice today, uh, what would that be?
4: Okay. Um, so that your your horse can actually tell you if your nutrition's right. I mean, if they're losing weight or gaining weight, you know, then you gotta you need to fix it. And if they're losing muscle tissue, you need to fix something. Um, if their hair is really really rough. There's something wrong. You know, there's something missing. Um, uh, so they, they just looking at your horse can tell you. Generally, you know, if if something's wrong with your feeding program, so that would be my tip of advice. It's just watch you know keep an eye on your horse look at your horse don't just take for granted everything is just right
1: hey and and one last thing where where can our listeners find you online if they'd like to hear a little bit more about the work that you've done or uh, reach out to you
4: yeah so at com is the website from kentucky Corn research and again i'm so i'm on there Uh um, uh, the staff, but also you can, there's all those articles I was talking about that you can search for any kind of topic on nutrition that you want to and find out information that might be helpful. So that's where I would recommend going, Com.
0: So thank you so much for coming on our podcast. It means the world to us that you took time out of your busy schedule to answer questions that all of our horses might go through and our listeners as well. Um, So yeah, thank you so much. And we will let you end off our podcast by saying what we love to tell our listeners.
4: Get rich or ride trying.
0: Alright, Rider Dies, we hope you enjoyed that podcast just as much as we did. Yes, and be sure to tell a friend and share a page because the more follows and subscriptions we get, the more we're able to bring you this high caliber content. And as always, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horsepore Podcast. Also,
2: if you have any ideas for collaborations, you can email us at horseporepod at outlook.com.